Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Um, I know obviously Rachel and Kevin already welcomed you, but it's great to have you here. If you haven't met you personally before, we'd love to uh, meet you after the service. Thanks, Ben. Great job. Standing up playing keys after scoring a half century off 32 overs yesterday. Oh, what, what a man. What a man. Yeah, come on. We can clap that. <laughs> so good. Um, as, as you can see, and um, as we've communicated uh, this week, uh, in case you don't, you don't get our communication, I encourage you to fill in, a, fill in a red card and you can uh, jump on the emailing list there. But we've uh, made some changes with, um, with uh, windows open, uh, blinds up to create some more circulation. Some of you are thinking, oh, great, he's finally let the sun in. Like, this is, this, this is awesome. Don't worry, we'll go back to where we were at some, at some point. <laughs> Um, but obviously, primarily, this is for um, ventilation as we just continue to respond to the ongoing COVID situation. And our primary purpose in this is to create an environment where people feel safe, comfortable to gather, and it's also obviously in line with m- what most uh, schools, offices, uh, general places are doing. But I, I want to just take a couple of moments um, up front to speak about how we're going to continue to respond um, to the COVID situation that we find ourselves in. I did this at our leaders gathering on Monday night and it was suggested that maybe it would be good to share on a Sunday as well. So here we are. Um, First thing to remember is that uh, when it comes to this, we all view this through our own unique set of circumstances, and that we tend to look at policies and restrictions in light of how they affect us first. And that's okay. That's just natural. That's just called being a human being. But it's also important to be aware of that. Some here today and other people in our church, they'll have varying health conditions, which means that they'll approach this season, season sorry, with more caution than maybe others will, and that's okay. There's some here... With, that have family members with greater health risks. And so they'll have a certain view about, you know, contentious topics such as borders opening and close contact protocols and all those things. And that's okay as well. There's also people here that are probably looking forward to traveling or maybe like us and have uh, family located on the East Coast or other parts of the planet. And so we're wanting to see them in the flesh. And so we'll have a certain view about um, what things should be happening. And that's okay as well. That, 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 that's all right. In all of this, I want to encourage us as a church to keep focused on the main thing, which is influencing our world for Jesus Christ. That always has to remain central to whatever we do. It's the thing that we speak about as a church that no one, obviously other churches do, but no one else speaks about. That, that, that's why in a Sunday sermon we don't make comment on political decisions or restrictions or, or, or things like that. If there are moral issues, then as a church we would communicate, hey, this is what the Word of God says clearly about this, but for political decisions, for, for things like that, you know what, we just don't waste our time with that because we have half an hour on a Sunday morning to present the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ that is going to transform people's lives from the inside out because I know it's transformed mine. So why would we give up any of that time besides this little part here? <laughs> but why would we give up any other time to speak about 
those type of things. We're aware of them, we understand, we'll respond to ongoing situations, but we are sold out, we are central to our cause, which is to reach the city of Mandurah and beyond with the good news of Jesus Christ. However, we do want to keep you up to date with what we're going to do as we approach this season as a church. Obviously, we're doing this physically. At some point, probably in the very near future, we will add an online component to our Sunday service. What this will be is it'll be a pre-recorded service that utilizes our worship that's been recorded by our East East Coast locations previously. And then whatever message is spoken by myself or someone else on a Sunday, that same message will be pre-recorded during the week. And then we will stream that service at uh, 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning via the, um, the online platform that we'll send out to everyone that we've used that we've used previously. Now, can I say this in all grace and love and humility? Um, this is not just so we can decide when we get up in the morning, mm, I think I might stay in my PJs this morning. I might sit on the lounge. I'll sort of, you know, watch church as I check the sports scores, as I, you know, unpack the dishwasher and, you know, check my social media feed at the same time as well. That's, that's not the point. That's not, that's not the point. Can I, can I say that in love? There is power when we gather together physically together. But what it is, is it's an avenue for those that may be avoiding large gatherings or having to self-isolate, that they can still connect with a Sunday service. Uh, so in all honesty, uh, we're going to hold off as long as possible before that, because it does cost about six to seven hours um, time of work uh, every single week, and that's just six to seven hours that we don't have to put into, put into other things. So we'll hold that for a fair while, but also we want to balance that with catering for uh, where people are in the best way possible. So I want to encourage you uh, as we head into whatever this season holds that we remember that Jesus is still in charge, God's still on the throne, that whatever we face, we have a faith and a trust in God that goes beyond circumstances, that goes beyond anything like that. But also we'd love to encourage you that if you are, um, you know, staying home because of COVID-related things, we know of other people that are, please let us know. Communication's always paramount at these times because we want to be able to serve you and pass you and lead you through this season in the best way possible. So, um, that's the update, and um, we now won't talk that much more about any of that because we want to get into uh, the Word of God and what, not that that's not what He has for us, but do you know what I mean? We want to, we, we want to jump in uh, to week two of our series called Influence, and as Rachel said, this is based on our Word for the Year as a church. We feel that God has spoken to us and that in 2022 is going to be a year of amazing influence for this church, for us as a people. Uh, But as we've said, this doesn't come because of our own greatness or because of something amazing that we have done, some skill or ability that we have. But it happens when we are willing to use what we have in our hands to know that first and foremost, our life and how we live it in front of people, that's the greatest influence we have and the foundation uh, for influence. Uh, but, but, but also, when we use what we have, when we pour out what God has used in our hands, He, he takes that and He uses it to create miracles and to extend great influence. And our key scripture for this series and for the year has been from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. It says, um, So He answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord 
of hosts. We still have a responsibility to be obedient to God and what He is asking of us, but ultimately it's God moving by His Spirit through us to achieve not our own personal goals and dreams, but His kingdom purpose on earth as it is in heaven. And so continuing this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a portion of Scripture, which is around a similar story and theme to our key Scripture that I just read. And this one focuses on a leader whose name is Nehemiah. And he's a Jewish person who's returned to his homeland of Israel to take responsibility of leading the people to see the walls of Jerusalem built. Uh, They'd been broken down and destroyed by the Babylonians as they came in and took over. But, But he has a call from God that's placed on Nehemiah's heart, and then God moved by his spirit to have the king of Babylon release him to go and complete what God had called him to. We're going to read it together in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through to 8. It'll be on the screen behind me. Uh, It says this, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, I think that's where the car came from, during the 20th year of King Xerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. Uh, This is Nehemiah speaking. I I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? Don't, you don't look sick to me. You must, lead, you must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, uh, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Wow, what an amazing account of God moving by his spirit to set Nehemiah on his way in what he's called him to. I, I love the little line in verse 4 where it says, with a pr- where uh, Nehemiah says, with a prayer, um, sorry, with a prayer to God of heaven. You can just picture Nehemiah in that moment in the king's court, drawing breath to answer the king's question while praying, please God, I need you to move in this situation. Because who knows, being a servant in the king's court, if the king wasn't happy with the request, see you later. You know, no um, you know, unfair dismissal laws or anything like that in 444 BC. Just, you know what? I don't like what you've asked. See, see you later. It's all over. So Nehemiah just, just has this, you know, this, this little moment of prayer here. And then not only does the king say yes, but Nehemiah obviously, you know, spurred on by that encouragement, uh, goes on to ask and get approval for all the resources required for the project to be completed. Talk about influence. 
I mean, talk about not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. Like what, what an amazing testimony. Nehemiah must be on a high, like he's pumped, like God is with me. I felt like God called me to this and now he's moved. He's even changed the king of Babylon's mind. Like, man, God must be really in this. Imagine what's going to be possible once we get to Jerusalem and get this project, you know, re really happening. But just like any good story, there's always a turn and there's always some disruption. I, I imagine watching a movie where nothing ever goes wrong. It, it's not even, uh, some people say the story doesn't start until something goes bad. You know, it's like, just like, it'd just be, we, we were trying to watch some movies on, um, on Friday, and so we have four half-started ones that were like, eh, no, this is rubbish, eh, no, this is rubbish. But imagine, imagine a movie where, there's, where nothing, nothing goes wrong. This is not that movie. But, for these next few moments, what I want to speak about is the challenge to influence. You see, we get excited about being an influence for God. We get pumped up. We feel like God's called us. We feel like there's a word from God for us. We've even got a scripture that we've maybe half memorized. We're like, you know, we're ready to go. God is moving. But then there's always going to be a challenge there's always going to be a turn. There's always going to be a disruption that comes to the things that God has called us to. The Apostle Paul writing in the New Testament says it like this in 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9, speaking about what he's going to do in his next um, season of time. He says this, uh, But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door of effective workers opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Notice the language that Paul uses. He doesn't say, but... There are people that oppose me. He doesn't say, hey, this was opened up for me. I'm ready to go, but uh, I don't know. It looks a bit difficult. There's people against me. People don't like what I'm doing. He doesn't say I've got this amazing door of influence, but I'm not sure how to get through these challenges. It almost sounds like he's saying, well, of course, there's going to be people that oppose me. If there's an open door, if, there's, if it's God calling me to influence something, of course there are going to be challenges. Of course there's going to be things that come against my life. Just in case you don't believe me, let's read a couple of more scriptures. Jesus said, John 16 verse 33, He says, I have told you these things, speaking to His disciples and to us today, so that you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Not you might have trouble, but he says you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. James writing in the New Testament uh, goes even further. He says it like this. This is James 1, 2 and 4. He says, consider it, what? Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We could just spend the rest of the time reading Scripture and understanding that there's going to be challenges that we face. They're very natural. They're very normal to our Christian life. But God has given us victory. And just to clarify for a second, I am talking about like real challenges, not, not first world problems. Are we all familiar with the term first world problems? I thought just to help you, someone who's always great to explain popular culture to us is Weird Al Yankovic. So here's some lyrics from his song, which is called, 
old first world problems. He says, my maid is cleaning my bathroom, so I can't take a shower. When I do, the water starts getting cold after an hour. I couldn't uh, order off the breakfast menu because I slept in till two. Then I filled up on bread, didn't leave any room for tiramisu. How good is two rhymed with tiramisu? Anyway, oh no, there's a pixel out in the corner of my laptop screen. I don't have any bills small, uh, sorry, I don't have any bills in my wallet small enough for the vending machine. Some idiot just called me up on the phone. What? Don't they know how to text? OMG. Just, just to explain first world problems to you, here's a, here's a few extras. I find this one potentially annoying. I can't hear the TV when I'm eating a packet of chips. <laughs> Such a problem. Turn, turn that thing up. I have too many chips. These, these are all, not all chip ones. I have too many chips for my dip. But if I open another dip, then I'll have do, too much dip for my chips. Ah, my life is so hard right now. Everyone keeps putting so much pressure on me. I don't know what I want for my birthday. It's just, it's just, so, it's just so hard. Or, uh, this is my personal favourite, my phone keeps auto-correcting small caps lol to all, to all caps lol, and now I sound too overexcited. Ah, oh, my life is so tough. No, no, we're actually talking about some real problems, some real challenges that we faced. And Nehemiah, just getting back on track to Nehemiah for a second, off Weird Al, onto Nehemiah. Nehemiah faced some challenges a call from God, God moves, miracles take place, but then discouragement comes. Let's read Nehemiah chapter 4, so two chapters later from where we read. 1 and 3 says this, Sam Ballot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the, and the Sumerian armor, sorry, army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from this rubbish heap and a charred one at that? Tobiah the Ammonite who was standing beside him remarked, that stone would collapse if even a fox uh, walked along the top of it. I think that's trash talking in 444 BC, in case, in case you're wondering, right? But these were not just empty words spoken by a few people who didn't like what Nehemiah was doing. The Jewish people, they were trying to complete what God had called them to. And these people that were saying these things were actually leaders from the surrounding areas right up close against Nehemiah. In fact, we'll keep reading. 7 and 8 says, When Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashadites heard the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. So those, those other nations that the Bible then adds a couple of verses later, that means that uh, Nehemiah and Israel are now surrounded on every side by enemies. Have you ever felt like that in your life? You're doing what God has called you to. You're on a journey with Him. You feel like you've heard from God. You've seen some miracles take place. And then suddenly there's the turn. Suddenly there's the dis disruption. And now you feel surrounded by opposition. Maybe this could be opposition from people. Maybe you're trying to change the workplace culture. You're trying to bring joy and care for each other. You're trying to watch each other's back and not, you know, tear people down and build, you know, bring respect in. But, but there's people working against you. There's an opposition. 
against you. Maybe for you it's some health challenges. They just feel like they just keep coming up. You just feel like you just get through one and then another one's thrown at you. Maybe it's financial challenges and they just feel like they just keep coming from nowhere. Like how, how would this, there's the financial challenges that we, you know, bring on ourselves by our poor decisions or our overspending or our, you know, whatever. But sometimes there's these ones that just come out of nowhere to challenge us. Again, maybe you're here and you're believing for a family member to find salvation in Jesus Christ. But each day it just feels like they're stepping further and further away from the things of God and the plan of God for their lives. You know, as a church here, as we declare that this is a year, 2022, of influence, we are fully aware that as Paul wrote, there's an open door of influence and ministry and growth to see impact for the kingdom of God in this city and beyond. And there's going to be great opposition. That's just, that's just part of the course. That's just part of the journey of following Jesus Christ. But we do serve a God who is greater than all. We do serve a God who is stronger than all. We do serve a God who is rock solid, who we can place our trust and our hope and our faith and our lives in. He is the solid rock that we build our lives from. And so we can look to Him. And what we're going to do for these final few moments is we're going to look to the example of Nehemiah to see how he dealt with the challenges to the influence that, that God wanted him to bring. So uh, reading on Nehemiah 4 verses 9 to 13, uh, this is Nehemiah's response to the challenges that we just read about. It says, But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by their families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then, as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. If I was going to, um, you know, cast this, that would definitely be a Mel Gibson line at, at, at the end of that verse. But, but, but what, what do we find that Nehemiah does? How does he respond to the challenge of influence? And how is God calling us to respond when maybe our, um, the purpose of God that we're trying to bring forth in whatever area we're in is challenged? Number one is this, is he prays a prayer of protection. He prays a prayer of protection. When you, are feel, when you feel like you're surrounded by opposition, challenge, and the enemy, it's time to increase our prayer and declare the Word of God in the situation. Re remember the words of God that we read earlier? In this world you will have trouble, but what? But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Jesus didn't say that I might overcome it or if the wind is blowing in the right directions or if all the ducks are lined up perfectly, then I, you know, maybe I've got a shot at overcoming this thing. No, no, we have an authority that's found in Jesus Christ because we have submitted our lives to Him. We have authority because we come under the authority of Jesus Christ. And as we sang about in that song, um, Living Hope, yeah, I think that's what it's called. Anyway, that song, the last one, it says 
that Jesus Christ has the victory. And so when we submit our lives to Him, we have access to that power. We have access to that authority and that victory that is found in Him. What, 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 when, when we, to activate this authority is activated by faith. And you go, okay, we hear a lot about faith, but what do you mean by that? Well, it takes trust in God and maybe feeling a little bit self-conscious about praying out loud even though no one else is around or maybe feeling a little bit self-conscious about husbands and wives, you know, praying together, uh, maybe over their children or a situation that, that, that they're facing. But what we do is we pray and declare in Jesus' name that He has the victory. We, we, we take scriptures like, and maybe write this one down if this is going to help you to declare in uh, Psalm 27. You can read the whole of Psalm 27. It's great, but it starts like this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. I, I want to encourage you when you feel like you're surrounded by the enemy, when it feels like there's challenge coming against what God has for your life, you can stand on the solid rock of God's Word and start to pray those words. And it's not just a nice reading. It's not just an inspirational quote to you know, print and put on the wall, but there's power in the words of Christ as we declare the victory that is found in Jesus Christ. I, I want to encourage you to consistently pray over your family, over your spouse, over, over your children. There's, there's power power that comes, and just like Nehemiah prayed as the challenge to influence came, we can also pray. But not only did Nehemiah pray, he was also very strategic about what he did. This is found in verse 13. It says, uh, Nehemiah speaking, he says, so I, placed an, so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. So number one, how do we, how do we fight against the challenge that comes to influence? Number one is we pray a prayer of protection. Number two is this, is we guard the gaps. We guard the gaps. Nehemiah understood the weak points of the wall, which offered the easiest entry for the enemy, and he did something about it. In your own life, are you aware of the weak points that create an easy access for the enemy? Uh, are, you, are you aware of those? Maybe for you it's seeing what a certain person does on maybe social media and whenever you see that it consistently makes you feel insecure or annoyed like you don't measure up. It's time to recognize what that trigger is and guard the gap. It's called unfollow or it's called, you know, don't show in news feed so they don't know that you unfriended them or didn't follow them. Or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you need to do. I don't know anything about that. But, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you need to do. What, what is that called? It's called guarding the gap. It's called understanding that when I put myself in this situation, when I see this content, when this thing comes against me, I know that's an easy access for the enemy to come in and bring insecurity, to bring doubt, to bring misunderstanding about what God wants in my life. And I'm going to do something about it so that I guard the gap. Maybe um, young people and older people here, maybe if you hang out with a certain person, it's you more often than not, you know it's going to lead to going to places you shouldn't go and doing things that you shouldn't do. Maybe it's time to guard the gap. 
Maybe it's time to make some different choices about who and when we spend our time. Maybe for you, mindlessly surfing the web late at night when you're tired and frustrated is probably not guarding the gap. It's time to get smarter and more strategic and understand that God has something for us. The enemy, the Bible says in John 10, wants to come to to kill, to steal and to destroy. But Jesus says that I have come that you may have life and life to the full. It's time to be self-aware, put some things in place and guard the gap. Maybe Ben can come and join me as we get ready to finish. But Matthew 5 says this, Jesus says it in even plainer language. Verse 29, he says, So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, if this is your first time in church, Jesus is using hyperbole and exaggeration to make a point. Please don't physically go out and do those things. But his point is, why do we hang on to things that create gaps in our wall where the enemy can get in really easily when they really don't matter that much. What matters is following Christ, is submitting our lives to Him and understanding that He's building our lives. He's building our lives. What what are the gaps, the low parts in your wall? We all have them, each and every single one of us. We're all a work in progress. But now it's time, it's time to guard them. It's time to guard them. And as we come to a close very quickly, I want to, want to just bring this as one last tactic that Nehemiah's enemies come against him with. And it's found in Nehemiah 6 verse 3. We'll read it in a second. I'll give you a little bit of background. Nehemiah's now filled all the gaps. The wall is getting built. It's looking strong. So they try, his enemies try and get him to come down and meet with them. Five times they send a message actually to Nehemiah. And this is his response in chapter 6, verse 3. It says this, So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? So not only do we have to declare the prayer of protection, not only do we need to guard the gaps, But number three is we need to ignore distraction. God has called you to have great influence wherever you are. There's going to be challenges against it, but probably the most consistent challenge that you're going to face, that we all face, is distraction. Distraction away from the the core of what God has spoken to us. And that is to reach people with the good news of the message of Jesus. That's why I was saying about earlier, we don't spend a lot of time talking about, you know, current situations and policies and procedures and all that sort of thing. Why? Because we avoid distraction. Because we are so focused on what God has for us on growing our lives in Him, of building together as a community, of creating an environment that inspires people to be intimate with Christ, that inspires people to to get around others and to influence their world. That is the core of what we are doing. So whatever your sphere of influence you you are, sorry, whatever sphere of influence you are in, God has called you to reach people. Sometimes it's by saying a lot. Other times it's by saying nothing at all. 
but regardless of the strategy, the fact remains that we live in a broken, in a dysfunctional world. God has called us to bring influence wherever we are, no matter the challenge, no matter what we face. So this morning, just as the rest of the band comes and joins me, I'd love you to bow your heads and close your eyes.